Thanks, Chris. Good morning. Our children can be dismissed to Children's Church if they'd like to go there. We have Children's Church out there. We'll have uh, some folks in the, in the lobby pointing direction. Um, they'll, they'll be returned back to us after the preaching time for our second round of worship. So uh, that should be fun for them. We have good good time. If you would turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Deuteronomy, I'd appreciate that. Deuteronomy. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Chapter 6, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Is that me? Let's silence and mute our cell phones, please. I don't think it was me, but let's do that anyway. <clears throat> Deuteronomy 6. Um, we are, for three weeks, going to spend some time back in the Family of God service, or series, Family of God, and we, we had like I think eight messages, seven or eight messages in that seven, and this is the eighth. Um, and regarding kind of how we function, and, uh, and today we're looking at, uh, the, as it pertains to the family of God, it's training and instruction. That is a sermon title. It's training and instruction. If you have your sermon notes, you can follow along with me. All of the references that I have uh, for scripture are listed at the bottom. Do not feel like you have to keep up with me. Please do not feel like you have to do that. Uh, I know some like to come ahead and like put little tags on their Bibles so they're ready to go, but they're there for you for when you need to go back and look one up. Um, they're there for you. Uh, and also in the back of your, of your uh, sermon notes is a discussion guide that you can use uh, individually or as a family or in a small group later on uh, just to kind of further the, the discussion in this. So we're going to be digging deeper into uh, a spiritual growth series now uh, and discipleship and what, what it, how that pertains to the family of God because as a family of God, we should be growing spiritually. And what does that mean? So uh, what's interesting today, today's message um, and, and the next two also came, came about really from a place where I've been uh, going through a, a book uh, called Family Driven Faith, uh, and we're doing that in a, in a class on Wednesday nights. And it's been pretty profound as we've been going that through that to get together with that class. Uh, but some of these things that we're going to be talking about over the next three weeks were in one of the chapters, and it just really kind of turned a light bulb on in my head regarding how it is that we grow spiritually. Because And here's, here was the trouble. I, I think there's a lot of us that's like, Hey, just give me the give me the how to, give me the tips. I, I, you let me know what to do, and I'll do it. And maybe you're like that, and maybe you can do that, right? And you can follow those kind of things. You know, there's different ways that we all learn. I, I'm a I'm a watcher guy. I, I want to watch you do it and learn how it's done, and then I'll follow suit. But but oftentimes you think about the magazine racks uh, on the aisles of the grocery store or, or the at the checkout stand, right? All, we always talk about this. There's seven tips to this, six tips to this, ten ten ways to get to this, and every every month. I don't know why, they have another one, and it's different, right? And so there's, there's something wrong with us just being handed instructions, like this is your application, just do this and you'll be fine. Why, why doesn't it work? Well, we aren't robots, right? It, it, from the heart, it doesn't, it doesn't work if it's not from the heart. So there's got to be a, a way that discipleship occurs within the family of God that helps us to grow in our faith spiritually and grow in our faith in our maturity in Christ. So we're going to look at that in kind of three different steps. Today's step is in, in uh, training and instruction. In training and instruction. We want to, we, this helps us put parameters around our, our faith. It puts parameters around um, kind of, of what we should believe and how we should believe it. Uh, this is kind of one of those things where if you're parents, you'll be like, oh, this is a good parenting lesson. We can learn some things about parenting in this. And you will. But, but one of the things I've learned as I've gone through this curriculum as well is that Yes, I'm a parent, but I'm also a child of my Father in heaven. And so for me, I, I've got to see it from his perspective of how he's going to equip me 
how he's going to instruct me, how he's going to train me, and how I can yield to that as well. Just like a good parent who puts parameters around, this is our home, this is our fence, this is where you should stay, this is dangerous, this is not okay to go to, this is okay to go to. As good parents do that, by the way, good parents do that. Our Father does that for us too. He puts some parameters around what we believe and how we live and what we ought to do and what we ought not to do. And it's important for us to be trained and instructed in those things. And it's important for us as parents to train and instruct our children as well. So let's look at the book of Deuteronomy. We're in uh, chapter 6. I'm going to read verses 1 through 3. This is the command, the statutes and ordinances the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you so that you may follow them in the land you're about to enter and possess. Do this so that you may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life by keeping all his statutes and commands that I am giving you, your son and your grandson, so that you may have long life. Listen, Israel, and be careful to follow them so that you may prosper and multiply greatly. Because the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. So Israel Israel's getting ready to go into the promised land. And, and what, what, is, what is God presenting to Moses? He's saying, this is what I want you to teach them. This is what I want you to instruct them to do. Because this is who you are as a people, and this is who I am as your God. This is what I have set up. Now, this is great because like, oh, God is giving us something to be instructed by. Let's lean in. The problem is we will only do that well if we want God to be God in our lives. If I want to be God, I'm not going to last very long, am I? I'm going to kick that fence down. I'm going to extend it out here. I'm going to add something else in. I'm going to go my own way, do what I want. So for you and I who are within the family of God, or maybe, maybe you call yourselves part of the family of God through faith in Christ, there are parameters. And there should be a heart that's yielded to the God of the universe. and says, Lord, I, I want you to instruct me. I want you to train me. Flip over to Ephesians chapter 6 in the New Testament now. You'll find Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the first four books of the New Testament. Then we go into what? Acts and Romans, First and Second Corinthians, any of these little letters starting. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. I've always learned those by the, the, the vowels. Galatians, A, right? Galatians, Ephesians, E. What's after E? A, E, I is Philippians. O is Colossians and they're good for you, all right? Ephesians, we're in Ephesians chapter 6. This goes right along with what we just read in Deuteronomy. So I want us to to look there at verse 1, and we're going to read through verse 4. Now again, this sounds like a parenting class as we read this scripture, but it really is uh, more than just parenting. It is how am I a child of the Most High. Uh, Chapter 6, verse 1. Children, Obey your parents in the Lord, because this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may have long life in the land. Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in what? The training and instruction of the Lord. Again, our first sermon in uh, this three-part uh, the family of God is its training and instruction. What, as it pertains to the family of God, what does its training and instruction look like? Well, number one is this. It looks like righteousness. It's training and instruction in righteousness. 
I want you to go back to Ephesians 6, 1 there. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord because this is right. Right. Righteousness is, it is right. It is altogether perfect and holy and well put together. Now, you and I are not righteous. And that's something we will learn here in a moment. We are not righteous. But we train, children, obey your parents in the Lord because it is right. Children, it's right for you to obey your parents in the Lord. It's right. Now, for the rest of us who are children, because we all have parents, obey your parents in the Lord for it's right. And for those who are part of the family of God, we are all children of our Father in heaven. And the, the instruction to you would be what? Obey your parents in the Lord, or your Father in heaven. Why? Because it is right. It's right. Obedience is right. When we talk about building parameters within a family unit, you think about parenting, or, or just you and I being discipled and growing spiritually, it is so important for us to put parameters. This is, this is where you should go. This is where you should not go. And, and this is what the Scriptures are telling us. And children, we are, as children, we are to obey that, obey those parameters. Back in the Deuteronomy passage in verse 2 of 6, it said, uh, do this that you might fear the Lord your God. So do what? Do, do what is right. Listen to my instructions that you would fear the Lord your God, that your life would look to honor God and to revere the God of the universe. Like that, that's what I want. I, I, I want to revere God. I want to make much of Him. I, I want to point people to Him. And I want to submit to Him. The author of Hebrews, in chapter 5, writes this. He says, we have a great deal to say about this, and it's difficult to explain since you have become too lazy to understand. Isn't this the key? When we, when we fail at being trained and instructed, isn't it because we're too lazy to understand? He goes on, he says, although by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the basic principles of God's revelation again. The author is saying, man, I, I thought you would have been older or, and more mature by now. I thought you would have got this. I thought you would have handled this rightly and, and correctly, and you would have be, your thinking would be right and renewed. He says, you need milk and not solid food. What a rebuke, isn't it? Can you imagine that rebuke? Like, to me, it's like, Brandon, you're just a big baby. You're a lazy baby. It doesn't do anything. All you need is milk. Like, I don't, I don't want to be a lazy baby. I want to grow up. I want some solid food. I want to be nourished by God and his word. He says, now everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced with the message about righteousness. This is really important because he is an infant. Uh, but, solid, but solid food is for the mature, for those whose senses have been trained to distinguish between what is good and evil. Here it is. What is righteousness? It's that distinguishing between what is good and what is evil, what is right and what is wrong, what is, what, what is bad for me and what I should be doing. And we all struggle with those in multiple areas of our lives, but we ought to be developing some parameters of training and instruction when it comes to those. Now, when it, when it comes to, uh, there's kind of two ways this goes. It comes to first, our own salvation and our, our imputed righteousness that Christ will give us. It's a righteousness that we can never achieve on our own, but Christ alone gives. And, and Paul, the author of, he, of, of Timothy, he writes a letter to Timothy in 2 Timothy. He says this, as for you, he says, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. Like, Hey, Timothy, you've been trained and instructed. Continue in that. You know those who taught you, and you know that from infancy, so from there, now he's grown up, you have known the sacred scriptures. So where should our training and instruction come from? The Word of God. So you've known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. The first thing when we talk about training and instructing in righteousness is pointing 
each other, our children, and ourselves to Jesus Christ. What does that mean? We, we spend most of our life striving to be better, striving to be more, striving to get more. So we might have, at the end of our life, accumulated or done something with our lives, and, and, and we can stand before somebody, maybe God, and he could say, wow, look at you, look how amazing you are, look how much money you had in the bank, look how many successful children you had. Look how many good things you did. Look how many charities you supported and ways you served mankind. Way to go, you. That is not what's going to happen. He will look at that and say, nice try, but you didn't measure up still. And you'll be like, well, why didn't I? I did so much better than the guy behind me. And he'll say, it wasn't about comparing yourself to his righteousness. It was about comparing yourself to God's righteousness. And so when we talk about training and instruction in righteousness, it is to tell our children and to tell ourselves as children that we cannot measure up on our own in our own righteousness. Scripture says that our righteousness is like filthy rags. Whatever you and I bring to offer, whatever we thought we were, is dirt compared to the glory of God. We think, well, we're hosed. What do we do now? We're pointed to Jesus, God who came down and put on flesh for you and for me, who humbled himself and became obedient to the cross. He died, he suffered and died in your place and in my place for the sins that I had committed. He didn't die because he had done something wrong. He died because you and I did something wrong. He didn't die because, because, well, they can achieve most of their righteousness and I'll just give them a little bit. He looked at us and said, they are so unable on their own. And even though they are so unworthy, I love them. And I'm going to pursue them. And I'm going to show them what righteousness really is. And Christ died for you. He was buried and he, he raised from the grave because he is God, conquering sin and Satan and death, death once and for all. That if you and I would, would let go of whatever we think makes us righteous, if we would set aside our own sin and our own personal preferences, and we would run to him, just straight to him and say, I've got nothing, Jesus, but all I want is you. And he'll say, that's okay, because I'm everything. And he will give you himself. And he will, the scripture says, by faith in Christ, he will impute his own righteousness on you. Like he grafts his perfection on you. So that now when you stand before God, you aren't bringing your resume, you're not bringing your, your uh, accomplishments, you're not bringing your checkbook balance, you're not bringing any of that. All you're bringing is Jesus. Like, I've got Jesus, I've got Jesus, I've got Jesus. And he says, yeah, you've got Jesus, come on in. You're righteous. If we can't start here, it doesn't matter where we end because it will not end well. If you have not done business with Jesus, your maker, if you have not come to him in repentant faith and said, God, what I had to offer is nothing. What you have to offer is everything. I put my faith and my life and my trust in your hands. And by faith, I trust that you're the one who forgives, that you're the one who makes us righteous. I trust in you. If you have not done that, you will not stand righteous before God. And nothing else will matter on this earth. Nothing else. Not even solid, sound training and instruction. Not even solid, sound adherence to training and instruction. I don't care if you apply the seven tips every day of your life. It will do nothing for you if you did not humble yourself and come to repentant faith in Jesus Christ as Savior. He loves you and he desires to give you forgiveness that you don't deserve. That's why it's mercy. That's why it's grace. We deserve far worse 
God is loving us. He's willing that none should perish, but all that come to eternal life. So have you? I'm training and instructing you now. If you haven't repented and turned to Christ in faith, repent and turn to Christ in faith for the forgiveness of your sin. Believe the gospel and be saved. Confess the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. He's worth it. He's everything. Well, Timothy goes on. It's, it's certainly about salvation in Jesus Christ. But he goes on and says, you've known and you're able to, give, uh, to gain wisdom for salvation through Christ. And then he, says, then he says, all Scripture, all Scripture that we have, we have this book, all Scripture, is God-breathed or inspired by God. It's, it's profitable to us now. So now that we've been trained and instructed in righteousness in coming to faith in Christ and being made righteous by Him, what does it mean to, be, to live righteous? He said, all Scripture is God-breathed. It's profitable for rebuking. It's profitable for correcting. I don't like that. Well, it's good for us. It makes us, it trains us and, and equips us um, to be more, and instructs us to be more righteous. We all need a good rebuke or some good teaching and correcting. What else is it good for? It's good for training in righteousness. What is right? What is wrong? What are those parameters? So that the man or woman of God might be complete and equipped for every good work. So what, what is this basic of spiritual growth in training and instruction look like? It's, first of all, in righteousness. That we would come to find Christ as, as most satisfying, the forgiver of our sins, and that his, his righteousness is now ours. And then we would be trained and instructed in the Lord and encouraged or corrected, maybe rebuked, but that we would then be equipped for every good work. That now, now I can go out and live a life desiring to, to be righteous and, and do the right thing and, and know what's right and wrong. Paul, Paul knew this well. He, he had his own life and his own way, and he was almost perfect in it, but not quite. Came face to face with God and understood that everything he thought was gain was nothing. Paul said this in Philippians 3. He said, everything that was gained to me, I've considered to be a loss because of Christ. This is the attitude we should have as we're trained and, and uh, instructed. He said, more than that, I consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He said, because of him, I've suffered the loss of all things. I consider them as dung so that I might find Christ or gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God is based on faith. Paul knew like nothing else is going to, to satisfy. Only Jesus is going to satisfy. And, that, and that's what we need to learn when we are trained and instructed in righteousness. Righteousness is first being imputed by Christ with his righteousness through faith in him, repentant faith in him. And then righteousness is, is a life that is lived in discipline and obedience to the Lord, which his word can thoroughly equip you to do and to live that way. But it's about submitting ourselves to him and living a life in honor of him. So a couple applications here. One for parents to children. We've got to point our kids to Jesus. Like you can have the best, well, most well-rounded kids in the block or in the church, and if they don't know Christ, it is all for naught. We want them to know Jesus. And when they, the scripture says that when we really come to faith in Christ, he gives us his spirit and his spirit starts to produce a work in us, which is amazing because as we're trained and instructed, the only way I can actually adequately live that way is by the power of God. So we have to train our kids and push them and point them to the Lord Jesus, right? To know that he's righteous and they're not. And then we give them parameters and say, this is what's right and this is the right way to live. And we start to teach them the scriptures which are profitable. How many of your kids need correcting? 
How many of them need rebuking? How many of them need a, a stick? No, sorry, don't, don't raise your hand. How many, have, how many of them need training, right? It says right there, the Word of God is profitable for that. Instruct them. Training in righteousness from the Word of God. For, for those of us that are the children of our Father in heaven, we must ex- acknowledge that He is our righteousness, and we go to Him every day that He is our sufficiency. And then we go to His Word and say, God, show me how to live. Show me what righteous living looks like. Show me how to honor you, how to be a child of God and not someone else's child. I want to honor you. So important for us to do that. Number two, if we're the family of God and we look at his training and instruction, we look at training and instruction as a warning, a promise, and for discipline. As a warning, as a promise, and for discipline. Go back to our Ephesians 6 passage. Let's look at verses 2 and 3. He goes on. So it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord because it's right. My children have now um, done more and more memorizing of the Scripture. But I've also done more memorizing of the Scripture for myself. You'll see in a few minutes where that pertains. Ephesians 6, 2 and 3. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a what? Promise, so that it may go well with you that you may have long life in the land. It's kind of a, a running joke at times, like, hey, if you do what I say, you'll have a long life. If you don't do what I say, you're probably not guaranteed tomorrow. That's not quite what this verse is talking about. Nice to get the jokes out, though. Well, what, what is the promise here, and what is the warning, and what is the discipline? The promise is that it will go well for you and that you will have long life. What's the warning? That it will not go well for you. And you will not have long life. And what what is the discipline here? Honor your father and mother. Honor your father and mother. So listen, children, I want to talk to the children for a minute. Oh, you're all children, but the children who have, they're living in their home with their parents. Honoring your mom and dad is what is right to the Lord. The Lord asks that you honor your mom and dad. The Lord asks that you respect and revere them. Are your parents always right? No, they are not. But they are to be honored and respected. Uh, the book we're going through talked about this in, in a kind of a really tough way. Uh, Vadi Bakum is the author of this, but he says, he says, when are, 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 we are to obey our parents, right? And, but that's, that's honoring, right? And respecting. But honoring our parents is to be obedient. So when our parents say to do something, we should... Do it. When? Now. Oh, now. There's a parent coming through. Now. Right? Now. Isn't that true, though? Obedience is like, you need to do what I say when I ask you to do it. That doesn't mean we're, we get to be military lords over our, our family and just destroy their total individuality or any conversation at all. But, but we, children, are to obey their parents when they're told. And you're like, well, we, we can, we, there's a little bit of wiggle room. Let me just ask you this, children of your Father in heaven, does your Father in heaven count to three? Why do you? Does your Father in heaven raise his voice when he's actually serious? No, he just gives us what he's serious about. It's been more convicting for me. You know how, you know how it is, you, you, like you're in home and I, I children, I, I love you, my kids, I'm trying to do this better. Like, I, I don't want to raise my voice anymore. I want my children to hear what I say and to do what I say when I say to do it. 
Now that has taken a lot of self-control that I don't always have. And it has taken a lot of patience and time that I don't think I always have, but I actually, I actually do. And I actually need to make it a priority on the front end of my, of my instruction to front load it with, this is coming up quickly. Remember that we're to honor our father and mother and, and, and obey and respect them. You front, you front load that with some good conversation, some good shepherding, some good counsel, some good compassion. And then you say, now go brush your teeth and get ready for bed. Because if I count to three every time, and, or if I raise my voice, what my children learn is that delayed obedience is okay. And, and that dad and mom are only actually serious when they raise their voice. And they're only actually ser- serious if they ever would get to number three. Because there's two, there's 208, and you know. So parents, we, we need to teach our children that delayed, o- delayed obedience is not obedience. Obedience is obedience. So when we honor, we obey when we're told. And respect, what does it mean to respect? It means that when we obey, when we are told, we go to it with a heart that says, I will submit gladly to my parents. I don't stomp off when I'm told in disgust and roll my eyes. I don't throw things around the house as I'm going to obey. I do it with respect. There's honor and there's respect. This is, this is the training and instruction, right? Honor and respect. Children, honor your parents. Honor your father and mother. It's the first commandment with a promise that it might go well for you. And that's what I've told my kids. Like, listen, you choose to obey when I say and what I say, or what I say when I say it, it will go well for you. If you do not, what? It will not go well for you. You get to choose. I don't have to raise my voice. You just have to know that. Okay? So same is true with us and the Father. Part of honoring Him is doing what He's asked when He's asked us to do it. And respecting Him is to do it with a heart that says, I love you, Dad. And I, don't, may, I may not get it, but I, I know you love me, and I'm going to do, do what you've asked me to do because I think you think it's best for me to do it. So that's what I'm going to do. Paul says, he, he goes on, uh, it, there's, there's plenty of, of examples in Scripture. And in 1 Corinthians, he says that all these things that have happened, maybe good or bad, they, they've happened as examples, and they were written down for our instruction, right? Training and instruction in the Lord. It was written down for our instruction that what? He goes on, he says, uh, find it, on whom the, uh, so whoever thinks he stands must be careful not to fall. So this is an example for us. Be careful not to fall, but it's there for our benefit and our instruction. Are we learning from that? We need instruction. We need discipline. Why? Because there's a war being waged inside your heart for your heart. You get that? We could talk about this in Sunday school this morning. I want to read a couple verses from the book of James. It says in James 1, 14 and 15, each person... Who does that include? Raise your hand if it includes you. Each person? It's, it's all of us? All of us? Raise our hands. Are you a person? Yeah. Each of us, this is us. Each person is tempted when they're drawn away and enticed by your own evil desire. How are you tempted? By your evil desire. How am I tempted? By my evil desire. Then after desire conceives, it, like, it let kind of take a root, right? It gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. We have these desires going on, and there is a war being waged. Right? One of the benefits of going to the Lord's instruction is just learning and being trained from it and constantly letting it be written in our hearts so that we don't go this other way. Then James 4. James writes this in, in, in chapter 4, verse 1. He says, what, what is the source of fights and wars among you? 
He says, don't they come from your passions that wage war within you? It, right, the, our passions and desires, the things that I desire, that's what causes conflict and wars, whether it's relationally or with my parents, right, or with children, or with the Father in heaven. How often do I wage war in my heart against what he has asked me to do? And then I justify it because I, I feel pleasure, I feel okay. Because you, you desire and you do, you do not have. You murder and covet and you cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. You do not have because you do not ask. And he says, you ask and don't receive because you ask with wrong motives. What's our prayer? God, change that person so I can put up with them. Whoa, like that's wrong motive. That's why there's wars going on. That's why there's bitterness and resentment creeping in. He says, you ask with wrong motives so you might spend it on your own pleasures. He says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? Whoever wants to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. So let me just ask the question. How is doing it your way working out for you? And this goes back to the beginning of this. Like, Brandon, just give me the what to do. And I've had, I've had so many different sessions with some of you, counseling and, and, and whether it be marital counseling or just individual counseling, and you're looking for the six tips. Like, just show me what to do here. Just tell me, tell me how I do this and I'll be good. You won't unless you really believe it. You won't unless you really go to the instruction of the Lord and say, God, what is, what is right to you? You won't unless you let the desires and pleasures and, and concerns of your own heart take a second seat to what the Lord wants for you. That's where you start. Lord, Father in heaven, you're my daddy. What, what do you want from me? What do you want to teach me? What do you want to tell me? What do you want to show me? I want that. And when you tell me, I'm going to honor and respect you. I'm going to listen to you. I'm not going to wage war against you. Isn't he gracious? Isn't he loving? Isn't he kind even to warn us? Like, hey, you're going the wrong. Aren't parents kind? Like how often do we let our children go a little far? Like, hey, listen, I see you doing that. I know hey, that, that, light, that knife doesn't have a lock on it. You can't do this. Oh, I know, Daddy. And what happens in 10 minutes? We get the Band-Aids out. Right? But, you, but you, you're kind to warn. You're kind to show. You're kind to instruct. For, for children, for you and I, as children of the Father, it's, it's good of us to be, be listening to the one who is wiser than us. Revelation 3, he says, Jesus is, is talking here, as many as I love, I rebuke and I discipline. I, he loves you. If, if you're finding yourself being rebuked, like, like told what you're doing is wrong or not righteous, if you're finding yourself kind of constrained into like, I gotta, I gotta get back in the straight and narrow here, I've gotta be more disciplined about something, know that God is loving you. And, it, and when you find out and realize and know that God is loving you, it says, be zealous then to repent. Be zealous to get over yourself. Be zealous to sit your own stuff on the backseat or just throw it out the door and trust Him. And, and, and it's not, here's what parenting is not. Parenting is not telling your kids how to be, giving them parameters, making them obey, and having everything well-rounded. You are still a human being in charge of another human being. And there are hearts involved. And God says that it's not just enough to, to build a fence. It's to go have a relationship in the yard and throw the ball. God wants a relationship with you. So he's not just saying, you're wrong, get, in, get back on the right path. You're so far off, I can't believe it. Go do this, and then we'll talk. Here's what he says. He says, you and I should be zealous, eager to repent. And then he says, see, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone 
hears my voice and opens the door, what? Here's, I'll give you a list of rules, more rules you can follow. What does he say? If you open the door, I'm going to come in and eat with you and you with me. There's a fellowship to be had with the Father in heaven. And there should be a fellowship to be had between parents and their children as well. That we don't just say, here's a list of rules, follow them or else. It won't go well for you. We nurture our children. We love our children. We, we exacerbate ourselves with kindness towards them and compassion towards them, just like our Father in heaven has treated us. Parents are not just rule givers. They are to be nurturers. The author of Hebrews says, no discipline seems enjoyable at the time. Anyone agree? No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. And later on, however, what does it yield? It yields peaceful fruit of righteousness through those who have been trained by it. So disciplining ourselves and coming into righteous living and in line with the Lord will prove to be peaceful fruit of righteousness in our hearts. Some of us don't have peace because we aren't following the Prince of Peace. We aren't, we aren't doing what He's instructed us to do. We're going our own way. He says, therefore, strengthen your tired hands and weakened knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but healed instead. Listen, we all walk around with a limp. And if we keep on walking that way and walking that same path, we're going to go lame. What Jesus says is, is come to me Find rest. Come to me and find instruction. And I'll instruct, instruct you. And my instruction, if you heed it, you will be healed instead. Although it doesn't seem fun, does it? This discipline, no discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. However, later it, it, it yields peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who are trained by it. Strengthen yourself in the discipline of the Lord. This is their warning. There's a promise, but there's, there's discipline there for us. And finally, number three, we look at the family of God and its training and its instruction. We have to have this one. Number three is our training and instruction is in the Lord. In the Lord. Look at uh, Ephesians 6 again, verse 4. Now, we talked a lot about children and their relationship to their parents. So children, I know I've thrown you under the bus for a while, but now it's about fathers and we can say parents. And this is where it really gets, gets difficult. Dads, eyeballs right here. God cares about the way you speak to your children. God cares about the way you treat your children. Probably more than He cares about how the children treat you. Fathers and mothers, look at this verse. Don't stir up anger in your children. Other translations, don't exacerbate your children. Your children ever been exacerbated by you? Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm doing that. I'm the adult in the relationship. These are children. And I've, I just got so flustered. I've got so, I can't, even, I can't even understand what they're thinking or where they're coming from. And, and I just exacerbate them and they can't even handle it. And they fall apart and I fall apart and everything falls apart. It's not what God wants. It's not good. It's not whole. It's not good training and instruction. Fathers, do not stir up anger in your children, but but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, the first part of this is seen in a style, right? You think it's talking to just dads, right? Oh, you're, a, you're a 
person who has a, a male person who has a child. That's dads. I think it goes deeper than that. It's saying fathers. Right? What is a father? Someone that you endear as a father, right? Someone you look to as like, that's, 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 my, that's my dad. I, this person may not have treated me well or didn't, didn't invest in me, but this person, they're like a father to me. Paul writes it all over in the scriptures about how he's a father. And we'll see some of those as well. So the first thing is a style. It's being fatherly. So, or, or we say motherly. There's a nurturing that has to come out of us if we are to train and instruct those around us. And that starts in our home, but it also overflows to our church family. I want you to think about the ways that you have grown in your faith and ask, did the person that helped you grow in your faith in that way come to you with more of a fatherly love and, a, and with tears and with compassion and with grace but with truth? Or did they lord it over you with a list saying, go do this and you'll be fine? I think we'll all agree that it was probably the former, right? There was a compassionate person who loved us, even enough to say, I think you're wrong, but I'm going to hang in there with you, and we're going to get through this together, and I'll show you God's word, and I'll show you what's better. That's probably what helped. Paul writes in Romans, he says, My brothers and sisters, I myself am convinced about, about you that you are also full of goodness and filled with knowledge. That's good, right? This is kind of that fatherly mentality, that compassion we have. We're full, full of goodness and filled with knowledge, and then we're able to instruct one another. That's where instruction comes from. In Corinthians, Paul writes, he says, I'm not writing this to shame you. There was a lot going on at the church of Corinth, by the way, that should have been like Paul taking his belt off saying, let's go. But he writes, I'm not, I'm not trying to shame you. Who doesn't shame their children? Father, a mother. You don't, we're not trying to shame you, but to warn you. How? As my dear children. I want to warn you as my dear children. For you have, may have uh, countless instructors in Christ, but you don't have many fathers. What do we need, church? Those who are fatherly around us, motherly around us, that will care for us and nurture us, but still tell us this is right and this is wrong. But not to stir up anger in you or resentfulness, but to, to stir your heart towards obedience. I, I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And then I, he said, I urge you to imitate me. We need to imitate this. Listen, Christian discipleship and Christian parenting, the aims of it are, are, are far higher and should be far higher than, than raising competent, seemingly healthy adults. That is not the goal. There are lots of competent, seemingly healthy adults that are so far from Jesus, it's It's sad. That is not the goal of our parenting. That is not the goal of our discipleship within the community of faith. Christian discipleship should aim in everything to teach our children and each other Christ. We teach Christ. We want them to learn Christ, which fits the way that Paul would warn the church. He says in Ephesians 4, uh, but that's not how you came to know Christ. Talking about you came in a fatherly way and now you're going a different route. That's not how you came to know Christ, assuming you heard about him and were taught by him as the truth that is, is in Jesus. Now, this is so important. We have this fatherly way we come at instruction and we should, we should put ourselves, by the way, if you're a child of the Father in heaven, we should put ourselves in relationships with people who are treating us fatherly or motherly, but with truth. It's, it, listen, we treat it more like the fun uncle, don't we? I just want to find the fun uncle, and if I find the fun uncle, 
He won't care, or they won't care what I do. That's who I want to be discipled by. The fun uncle will be loving towards you, but will be tolerant of your shenanigans. A father, a mother, will be loving towards you, but will also say, come here now. This is right. This is wrong. We ought not do that. Here's why. That's what we're talking about. And, and ultimately, going back, our training instruction has to be in the Lord. What did Paul say? He says, that's not how you came to know Christ, right? You came in a fatherly way. Assuming, though, what? What do we assume? That you've heard about Him. And you were, you were taught by Him. Say, Why is it important? Because the truth is in Him, the Lord Jesus. It's in the Lord. I, we need to analyze, what are we teaching? What are we teaching our children? And what are we teaching each other? Are we teaching our ch each other just to get by and be a good person? Or are we teaching our, each other Jesus, 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 and the gospel, and it relates to everything in every way in all of our lives. Nowhere else are we going to find the proper training and instruction. As it pertains to the family of God, our training and instruction must be in the Lord. Two more verses, then we'll be done here. Proverbs 4, verses 1 through 4. Why don't you turn there with me? Proverbs 4. Right after Psalms. Psalms about right in the middle, maybe a little left. Proverbs 4. My title here is A Father's Example above the section we're reading today. Proverbs 4, 1 through 4. It says this, Listen, sons, to a father's discipline, and pay attention so you might gain understanding. For I am giving you good instruction. Do not abandon my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender and precious to my mother, he taught me and said, Your heart must hold on to my words, keep my commands, and live. I, I want to kind of look at these in two different ways. One as a learner, like a child who is being discipled, and then one as a teacher or a father or a parent who is discipling. There's kind of two columns here, and we find different descriptions in each one. On one side, the learner side, when you are being discipled, we are to listen to the fatherly. Listen to the fatherly. On a teacher side, we are to instruct as a father or mother would, a nurturer. So go listen to the fatherly, and when you're teaching, be fatherly. Pay attention was another one. If you're a learner, we ought to pay attention. Sometimes we don't feel like we have enough to pay attention. And then teacher, what should you do? You should, you should be giving good instruction. Give good instruction that they can pay attention to. Um, the learner is told here not to abandon these ways. Don't abandon these thoughts. To the teacher and discipler, it is to be consistent and to consistently walk alongside of those you are mentoring. And then it says that you are to, as a learner and disciple, someone being discipled, to hold on to what is taught from the heart. So for, what is it for a teacher and a disciple, someone discipling? It's to communicate tenderly to the heart. Don't you understand that? that? That the way we communicate, the door of the heart will either open or it will shut. And that's why we do it in a fatherly way. That's why our Father in Heaven does it in a fatherly way for us. Because He wants the heart to be changed. And for you and I as teachers or disciples or as parents, 
we ought to be communicating tenderly to the heart of our children. Final passage today is in Psalm 78. If you go backwards to Psalm 78. This, this shows just this, again, kind of the, the, the necessity for training and instruction. It shows us the necessity for these boundaries and for the yielding of our heart to start to be molded by a good and righteous God and, and what will happen if we don't. Psalm 78, beginning in verse 1, we'll read through 8. My people, hear my instruction. Listen to the words from my mouth. I will declare wise sayings. I will speak mysteries from the past, things that we have heard and known that our ancestors have passed down to us. We will not hide them from our children, but will tell for a future generation the praiseworthy acts of the Lord, His might and the wondrous works that He has performed. He established a testimony in Jacob and set up a law in Israel, which He commanded our ancestors to teach to their children, so that, here's a so that, a future generation, children yet to be born, might know. I'm going to pause right there for a minute. When it says, children, obey your parents and Lord for it is right, and this is the first commandment with a promise that it might go well for you and that your days might be long on the earth, it is actually not talking about your life expectancy will, will increase. What it's talking about is the children yet to be born will know Messiah, Jesus Christ, Yahweh as Lord, and that will penetrate down generation after generation after generation because of our faithfulness to teach our children in tenderness and in teach and train and instruct them up in the way of the Lord. And as they grab onto that, they will pass that heritage down. And as children, as you and I, as all our children, obey our, our parents and obey our Heavenly Father, it will not only go well for us here, the legacy will be long-lasting to your children and their children and our children's 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 children. Some would say to the thousandth generation. This is not about your ego and your annoyance at your two, three, four, whatever kids you have at home. This is about investing in who they are for the glory of God for future generations. That's why training and instruction is important. So that a future generation, children yet to be born, might know. They were to, to, to rise and tell their children so that they might put their confidence in God and not forget God's works, but to keep his commands, then they will not be. This is, this is what we are if we don't. Then they would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not loyal and whose spirit was not faithful to God. That's not what I want to have happen. That's not how I want it to go down. Listen, if we fail in this training and instruction, we fail to train and instruct our children in tender and compassionate ways, or if we fail to seek tender training and compassionate training from those around us, we fail in that way. We fail to adhere to those instructions of the Lord. We fail in those ways. We will end up stubborn. And our children will end up stubborn. We will end up rebellious. And our children will end up rebellious. We will end up unloyal. And our children will not be loyal either. And we will not be faithful. And our children will not be faithful. So for you and I, as the family of God, we ought to line ourselves up under the training and instruction of the Lord. 
we have to check a couple ways. How am I giving that out? But how am I also receiving that now? Amen? Let's stand together and pray, and we'll have a worship team come back up and end in worship today. Again, those notes are for you. You can go back and look at those verses up later. I know I, I breezed right through those things. Someone the other day said, Brent, I just can't, I can't take it all in. I'm like, I, I would never think that you probably could. Whatever, whatever you get from a service, I know everyone gets something a little different and that the Lord is working and I just trust the Lord is putting on your heart what he wants to teach you today. You don't have to get everything, but you got to get something. And the one thing, right, which is Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your great love. We thank you for your compassion and your mercy. We thank you that you've given us your word and given us your son, that God, through training and righteousness, uh, God, and through training and instruction and discipline, God, through training and instruction in the Lord, we would be more well-rounded and ready to serve you in every way possible. But God, first, may our hearts be right with you. May we have a righteousness in Christ through faith that is not from ourselves. And God, may we then seek to live righteously, looking like our Father in heaven, hanging on every word that he offers because he is gracious and compassionate and he's tender with us. And God, that the legacy of Christ in us and through us would be great. We thank you, we praise you, and we pray this all in Christ's name.